Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1 this morning. It's so good to see you all. I'm glad that you all are out this morning. It's been, I think, four weeks since I was here with you all. Uh, but the Lord really blessed during the opportunities that I had away. Uh, we had a wonderful time in Yakindanda at the young adults camp. It was such a blessing to be with a group of, say, 80 or so uh, young adults that love the Lord and uh, just to fellowship with them and to ponder the question, answering the call, and seeing what God might have for us to do uh, in the future. So a great time there in Yakadana. Then I was also able to attend the True North Summit at Faith Baptist Church in Sydney the following weekend. And again, just a, a huge conference of a lot of young adults that are committed to serving the Lord. So it was just a huge blessing uh, to meet with young adults that uh, are on fire. And they're not weird. They're normal people. I think a lot of the world, they think Christians are weird, but it's just fun to hang out with these, these fun-loving people that are um, serving God. And uh, just a great preaching at the conference, great music. They had a large conference choir, so just a huge blessing there. And then last week, I got to go up to uh, New Beginnings Baptist Church, Pastor Joe Marshall, and preach a youth event for him. And I uh, really want to praise the Lord that there were several visitors in the audience uh, some of which we know were not believers, and so I'm thankful for the opportunity to present the uh, gospel message to them. Uh, the event is called Super Saturday, so the, the message I preached was the greatest superhero of all, the Lord Jesus Christ, because He is real, He is risen, uh, and He is a rescuer. He can rescue us from our sin, and so uh, I hope that message will continue to resonate in their hearts. And uh, just a wonderful time up there. Also got to celebrate the ninth anniversary there at New Beginnings Baptist Church. So praise the Lord for what He's doing there in Mango Hill in the Brisbane area. Um, also, pretty, pretty cool uh, story here. Uh, some of you might know a guy named Stephen Thomas. Uh, he used to attend church here, um, and uh, he now lives in the Brisbane area. He found out that uh, he's actually a, a Pensacola Christian College graduate, and he found out that the team was in town, and so he came to church that Sunday evening, so we got to connect with him. I got to play some basketball with him and fellowship, uh, so that was really neat. Um, actually, he texted me a few days ago. He said he is on a, an urgent medical mission trip to Vanuatu. And he was just asking the Calvary Church family if we would pray for him. And so I think it would be appropriate to take a minute right now if we could and just pray for our brother Stephen Thomas as he uh, goes to Vanuatu to serve the Lord in medical missions. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for uh, bringing us together this Sunday morning, everything that it represents about you and the, the risen Savior that we serve. And we're just thankful for our brother Stephen Thomas and his willingness, his heart to serve you, to go serve uh, what seems to be the, some underprivileged people, some people uh, in need of medical assistance. And Father, we're thankful that uh, you've given him that heart of love to do that. Uh, Lord, I know there's a lot of preparation, a lot of um, work that goes into an operation like this. So we just want to uh, lift him up. Pray for his strength to accomplish the work you've given. And then also, as um, physical needs are ministered to, uh, we pray also that spiritual hearts would be open and that uh, the gospel would heal that which is most diseased in the heart of man, in, in our soul, and that is uh, sin. And I pray that they'd have opportunity to see that most horrible disease healed in the lives of people there in Vanuatu. Lord, we do pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for joining me in prayer there. Well, I'm thankful for a lot of opportunities recently, but I'm thankful for the opportunity to preach here. So let's get into Philippians chapter 1. And uh, as we get ready to go there, I want to ask you a question. Have you ever listened to the kids 
program, Adventures in Odyssey. Anybody ever listen to Adventures in Odyssey? See a few hands, okay? You are missing out. So many of you have never heard of Adventures in Odyssey. So I used, me and my siblings, 415 uh, FM station 89.5. We would run to the radio every day if we could. We had to listen to Adventures in Odyssey. It's a great uh, Bible-based uh, uh, program for kids. But uh, the way they'd start off the program was with one of the main characters, a guy named Mr. Whitaker. He owned this really cool shop in town called Wit's End. And he, gave, he sold ice cream. He had all these cool inventions that he would make. Like the, one, one of his inventions, the Imagination Station. And it would take you on these incredible adventures in your imagination. Uh, the Room of Consequences, that was a pretty cool one as well. He had all these neat things at his shop, and kids loved coming to his shop. Anyway, the, the program would start out uh, something like this. Mr. Whitaker would, would greet the guests, and he'd, uh, he'd say, Oh, hello there, I'm working on one of my new inventions. And uh, he'd go along, and he'd say, Well, hey, let's see if this thing works. And, so he'd crank it up, he'd get it going, and all of a sudden you'd hear some, you know, something's going out of control, and he'd say, whoa, 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 hold on there. Oh, I guess it needs a little more work. But that's the exciting part. You never know what you're going to discover when you come along and join us for today's Adventure in Odyssey. And so that's, that's how they'd start off. They'd, they'd pump up the program, right? Well, to this morning, I believe if we open our, and we truly allow the Holy Spirit to, to bury this passage of Scripture in our heart, we're about to go on an incredible adventure. I believe God wants to take each one of you individually that know the Lord on an incredible adventure. I, went, I believe He wants to take this church, Calvary Baptist Church, on an incredible adventure. But it's going gonna, it's gonna to hang on whether or not we take to heart this powerful passage of Scripture. Uh, look with me, if you would, at... Philippians chapter 1, verse 9. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. And this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ under the glory and praise of God. And that's going to be our text this morning. But just by way of review, I know it's been several weeks since we've been in Philippians, so let me just walk through the context with you one more time. Uh, in verse 3, the Apostle Paul, he's talking here, he's, he's talking to the church of Philippi. So he's talking to a group of Christians, people that are followers of Christ. He says, verse 3, I thank my God upon every member of you. So he's thankful for these Philippian believers. Verse 4, he's praying for them, making requests with joy. Verse 5, He's thankful for, verse 5, it tells us why he's thankful, for their fellowship in the gospel. Hey, they have partnered with him to promote the gospel. And so he's thankful for them. Uh, And then in verse 6, he says, Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. He says, hey, I see that you have partnered with me in the gospel. I see that God is doing a good work in you. And, and you have partnered with me in the gospel. I see God working in your life. He's changing you. He's making you better. Um, verse 9. Let's skip down there to verse 9. Okay, so th- this good work God is doing in us. Verse 9. We talked about this last time. And this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. And th- these are the, the three facets, these three aspects that move this work of God along in our life. God's abounding love. Knowledge and judgment. And those three aspects, they, they develop this work that God is doing in us. 
And we want to pick up right there this morning, this work that God is doing in us, and see the consequences. There's three consequences that we're going to see will happen when we allow God's love to penetrate our heart, to overflow out of our lives. God's godly love. Now, we talked about this previously. We're not just talking about the world's idea of love that, you know, just cater to everybody's uh, desires, uh, just uh, approve of everything everybody does, just make people happy. That's, that's not love. We're talking about godly love, love that has, that has morals, love that has an understanding of right and wrong. But when we allow that godly love to penetrate our heart, to flow through us, we're going to see three consequences come out of our lives. Uh, so the question this morning is this. What will happen when we, as Jesus followers, allow his overflowing godly love to control our lives? What will happen when we allow God's love to truly, deeply, profoundly control, guide, and direct our lives? Well, there's three consequences we're going to see. I'll give them to you now, and then we'll explain them later. First of all, when we allow God's love to control our lives, we will choose the better things. We will choose the better things. Number two, we will conduct ourselves blamelessly. And then number three, we will bear fruit. So first of all, when we allow God's love to control our life, we will choose the better things. Look at verse 9. It says, And this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. Verse 10, That ye may approve things that are excellent. All right, let's break down that phrase, That ye may approve things that are excellent. The word approve, it means to test with the... Uh, with the purpose of choosing, all right? So you're going to test with the purpose of choosing. It's like this. It's checking product reviews, all right? Who are my product reviews people out there? You know, you get on Amazon or, or online stores, and you check the reviews, and you check like three to five products because you want to know which is the best product, and you scroll all the way down to the bottom. You know, you don't just take the top five-star rating. No, you, you dig into those product reviews, right? Why do you do that? Because you want to figure out if this is the product I should choose, right? Well, th- that's the idea here. Approve. T- test with the purpose of choosing. Test what, what uh, these things in life, that, that we have all these choices in life, we have to test them, we have to examine them so we'll know which ones to choose. So he says, approve, test, and then he says the things that are excellent. Now, for sake of understanding, let's... Let's rephrase it for just a second. Let's say verses, verses 9 and 10 like this. I pray that your love may abound more and more so that ye may choose from things that differ. So in, in other words, we have many choices in life. All right, so what, what do you have for breakfast this morning? Anybody have wheat bix for breakfast? Any wheat bix for breakfast? No? Oh, we, we have one. We have one. We, I made the mistake uh, of taking a, a thing of wheat bix and just biting into it dry. Yeah, dumb American thing to do. Um, I was going to, I, I forgot to do this when the, the team from the U.S. was here. I was going to have, like, a group of them at the youth rally, like, eat raw wheat bakes, but I forgot. Um, okay, so, so what did you have for breakfast this morning? Okay, I'm not really talking about that kind of question this morning. Uh, I'm talking about um, 
moral decisions that we have to make, more important life decisions. Uh, how do we respond to a coworker that gossips about us? Um, how do you determine how you're going to spend your weekend? Uh, how do you determine whether or not to help a certain person? Uh, we're talking about these, these, big pro- these choices that we, we have to face every day, every week, every month. We have all these choices, many choices to make. We have many things that differ to choose from, right? And we need to test these choices so that we can choose the things, verse 10, the things that are excellent, the better things. Not all decisions are equal. There are some choices that can be made that are better than others. And so we need to have this discernment. This, we need to test these things so we can choose the better things. Okay, are you following me? Are you with me? All right, I see some nodding. Don't just nod your head because you think that's what I want you to do. All right, but we're, but we're good. All right, so test these things so we can choose the better, the excellent things. All right, so verse 9, and this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more. Biblical love, godly love needs to flow, overflow from our life. Our hearts should be so full of love that it just spills out naturally. We can't help ourselves. All right, think about Jesus. Jesus lived a life of overflowing love. He, he walked around, and several times it, it, it says that his heart was moved with compassion, right? He looked on the, the crowds of people, and his heart was moved with compassion, And one of those times, his heart was so moved with compassion, he fed over 5,000 people. He's like, I just have to help these people. That is the heart of God. He, in a sense, okay, God can't help himself but to be good and loving and kind. I mean, think about this. The Bible says, Jesus says, God reigns on the just and the unjust. God is just, he's good. He just loves to good. That's the idea here. We need this this love that just, I just can't help it. That person's done nothing for me. In fact, they hate me. They hate my guests, but I just can't help but but love this person, show compassion to to help them. It's a co-worker maybe, and and they just make your life miserable. But you're like, I just have to go out of my way to like, hey, I I see you're struggling there with your job. Can I help you? Why? I, I do everything to, 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 to just make your life miserable, and you want to help me? Yeah, absolutely. That's what we're talking about here, overflowing love that just spills out into the lives of others. So when we allow love, God's love to control us, we will choose the better things. There are many decisions in life we have to make. Godly love can help lead us to make the right decision. Many ways to, to serve God. Godly love will, will help guide us in, in which ways that we ought to serve for us specifically. There are many circumstances in life, uh, many ways to respond to those circumstances. Godly love will help us respond appropriately. Uh, speaking of responding to life circumstances, there's a, a lady at the, store, at the, at the shops, and uh, her little girl was just terribly misbehaving. She was throwing things out of the cart. She was just complaining. She didn't want to be at the shop. She wanted to go home. Just making life difficult for her mother. And uh, her mother looked like she wanted to sh- show some loving parental discipline right there in the, in the shop. But uh, wisdom would say, love would say, 
No, don't deal with your child while you're agitated and irritated. Wait till you get home and you can deal with it properly. And so she kept saying, I know, Ellen. It's going to be okay, Ellen. We'll be home soon, Ellen. And when she got to the checkout, the cashier said, you know, I really have to hand it to you. Uh, you've been so patient with little Ellen. And the, the mom looked back and said, I'm Ellen. <laughs> but you know, so there were two ways of laughter there, the ones that got it at first and then the ones that got it, okay. We all got it though, right? But you know, Ellen was wise to remind herself to do the loving thing. That love helped her to choose the better thing. When we allow love to guide and direct us, we're going to choose the better things. Do you struggle with making decisions? Well, think about this. Ask yourself, what is the loving thing to do? And you you might find that will answer your question right there. So what will happen when followers of Jesus allow his love to control their lives? Well, well, we'll choose the better things. We'll make the good decisions. Number two, what will happen when we allow Jesus' love to control our lives? Number two, we will conduct ourselves blamelessly. Let's continue on in verse 10. It says that you may approve things that are excellent, so that you'll choose the better things. Verse 10 continues that ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. Sincere and without offense. Let's look at those two words. When we allow God's love to direct and guide our life, first of all, we'll be sincere, we'll be pure. That's the idea, that word sincere. It has the idea to be unmixed, without alloy. So it's a a pure metal. Now, um, I'm not sure about coins here in Australia, but the the U.S. penny, it's uh, it's copper-plated, all right? But it's not pure copper. Um, The penny is not worth enough to be made of pure copper, uh, with the price of copper these days. But uh, at least the newer pennies, they are, I'm not sure what the, the middle is, but it's plated in copper. And so if you find a, a penny, maybe it's been in a car park and a car has driven over, it's scratched off some of the copper plating. You can look past the copper plating and you see it, it's not the same color. It's a different metal underneath the copper plating. So the penny is not pure. It's not sincere. It's telling you, I'm copper, I'm copper, but it's not really all copper, all right? That's the idea here, this, this idea of being sincere or pure. I hope there's none of us here today that are penny Christians. You know, we, we say one thing, I'm, I'm this, I'm this, I'm a good Christian. I love people. I love God. But underneath the surface, we're not sincere. We don't really love God or people the way we say we do. We don't really live a life that backs up the fact that we are a good Christian, that we truly do love God. So the penny, it says, look at me, I'm copper, but when you scratch past the surface, it, it's not actually all copper. I think we probably know some people that are like pennies, right? They're not sincere, they're not pure. We're talking about a pure motive as well. When we look at this word, it, it says, uh, without without alloy, so it's unmixed, but the idea there, the moral sense of the word is being sincere, being uh, without hidden motives or pretense. You know, we might know some people that, maybe even in our past, they said, hey, I'm with you. I'm your, fr- I'm your mate. True blue. 
It's me and you. Isn't mom and dad? Is it a cockatoo? All right, that, they're true blue. Ozzy, Ozzy, I'm with you. But when the first bad thing happens, say you later. I'm out. I thought you're my mate. Right? You know people like that, and then you find out later on, hey, they were just hanging around because of the fun times or the things that you gave them. They didn't have pure motive. But you know what the cool thing is? The neat thing is when we allow God's love to so penetrate our heart and our life and our lifestyle, we're going to have pure motive. And when people go through tough times and we don't bail on them like everybody else does, they're going to say, why, why are you sticking with me? Why aren't you giving up on me? Think about Jesus Christ hanging there on the cross. After three years of ministry, 30, 33 years of life, dealing with sinful people, everybody's forsaken him. His disciples left him. His, his closest companions forsook him. You know, he might have just said, you know what, people are nuts. I do everything for you guys, and you just turn on me. You just, I'm out. Forget this. You know, that's what the heart of man would say. But Jesus, hanging there on the cross, looks down at those Roman soldiers, and he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You see the heart of love? So in control of Jesus Christ, he can't help but help himself to hang on that cross and finish the work God's called him to. This ought to be the kind of motive that we're all striving for. We ought to, to be in tune with God, allowing His love to give us that pure motive in our friendships, with the people we meet, in our lives, in our relationships. And when we allow His godly love to control us, we'll be blameless. People won't be able to look at us and say, you hypocrite, you said you were my friend and you, people won't be able to look at us and say, you had, a, you had a wrong motive for doing what you did. No, I did it out of a heart of love. And you know, I, I hope that this is the kind of motive I'm aiming for. You know, I, I didn't come halfway around the world to get anything from you. I hope you know that. I don't want anything from you. I want to serve God. I want to serve you. I, I mean, I, I, I want to help you grow spiritually. I want to help you in your, your personal life. I mean, if there's anything I wanted from you, it, it would be that. I would want to see you grow in Christ. But I don't want anything from you. I hope that's the, the heart that we have for other people. We don't want anything from them, just to love them, to show Christ to them. But what happens when our motive is not pure? What happens when we don't live guided by this godly love? Well, let's suppose uh, I see Poe right here in the middle. 
Let's pre pretend that Poe is a pot maker. That the alliteration works, Poe the pot maker. Let's, let's pretend he lives back in Bible times. So Poe the pot maker, he lives in Damascus on Straight Street. He's actually neighbor to Ananias, the guy that healed the uh, Apostle Paul from his, his eye condition. All right, so Poe is, he is an immaculate pot maker. He doesn't settle for like the cheap stuff. No, Poe equals quality. Uh, he makes excellent pots, and uh, he uses only the best quality clay, only the top quality clay. And if he gets anything wrong, if there's a deformity, if there's a crack in one of his pots, for, for what, it doesn't happen often, but if it happens, he doesn't sell it. He's not like some of his competitors who will take, and uh, so they got a crack running through their pot. And they're like, hey, I will just stick some wax in this crack. Nobody will even know the difference. I mean, the pot still works. Like, it's not like it does, it's leaking or anything. It's, you know, I'm, I'm just going to sell it. You know, I'm going to make, make a buck, okay? So that's what his competitors do. So, so let's say you go to one of his competitors. For whatever reason, I don't know why you would go to his competitor, but you buy one of the pots from his competitors, and uh, you're using this pot. And over time, and, and as you load this pot, and as you begin to put pressure on this pot, the pressure builds up on that crack spot. What happens to that clay pot? The pressure becomes too great, and the pot cracks. Now it's not useful for anything. What happens when we don't live with pure motives? Hey, for a while, it looks like we're, yeah, we're a good person. It looks like we're a true friend. It looks like we're a godly Christian. But after a while, the pressure, when it builds up, what happens? We crack. Because our motive's not pure. We're not in tap with the Lord and his love. And we're not sincere. But God's love will keep us pure. And it will keep us under the pressure. So if we will constantly fill ourselves with God's love, God will keep us pure. God's love will also, it will also keep us without offense. Look back at verse 10. It says that you may approve things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. That word offense, it means uh, without stumbling. or In other words, not stumbling into sin. All right, we're talking about a life that is lived in a non-offensive way to God. We're not living in sin. We're not offending God with our life. You know, there's a little boy, he was, he was offending his mother in some pretty terrible ways. And he just kept getting on his mother's nerve, getting on his mother's nerve. And so finally, her mother, his mother had, had it and said, look, I want you to go to your room. You've been so terrible, so bad. I don't know what to do with you. Go to your room, get on your knees, and pray and ask God to make you a better boy. So the little boy, he uh, rather reluctantly, he goes off to uh, his bedroom and as he's told, he gets down on his knees and he begins to pray, God, please make me a, a better boy. But if you can't, it's okay because I'm really having fun the way I am. <laughs> I thought you'd like that, Brother John. <laughs> you know, unfortunately, though, sometimes, if we're honest, we're like that little boy. We don't say that to God. But the way we live our life, it's almost as if, God, 
I know you're trying to do this good work in me. You're trying to make me a, a better person. You're trying to fill me with love. You're trying to use me for your purpose, but I kind of like doing these things. I know you don't like them a whole lot, but I'm kind of happy the, the way I am. I'm kind of happy doing the things that my friends do. I know they're bad, but it's fun. You know, if we're not careful, we, we identify with that little boy. And we struggle sometimes to want to change <coughs> from our way to God's way. And that battle is real. But what we need to do is we need to come to God and say, God, fill me with your love. A love for you. A love for righteousness. A love for others. And when he begins to fill us and we begin to submit to that, our life will change. We won't find ourselves stumbling into sin. Rather, we'll find ourselves stumbling into service of God. Because when we allow God's love to abound in our lives, we're going to choose the better things and we're going to live a blameless life. Those are the first two consequences. Let's look now at the third consequence. What happens when we as God's people allow His love to fill us? to overflow in our lives. Number three, we will bear fruit. Look at verse 11. Being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ under the glory and praise of God. That word filled is an interesting word. It actually carries the idea of of completion, which if we go back to verse 6, we see that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So Jesus is doing a work in us, and how does he complete this work? Well, he completes it by filling us with the fruits of righteousness. What are the fruits of righteousness? Well, the word fruit, it means manifest evidence or, or result of. Uh, so I recently, I bought a couple of blueberry bushes, all right? Whether or not they're going to give me any blueberries is another story. <laughs> but I got some blueberry bushes, and uh, when I go in, I pot them in the plants, or in the, in the pots, and uh, put the water on them and give them the right nutrients, okay? Something's going to start happening, right? Um, the, uh, the roots are going to start drawing up water and nutrients into the plant, and it's going to send it to the stems, and eventually, hopefully, <laughs> they're going to start bearing little fruits, Right? Where do those fruits come from? What, what, what produces that fruit? It's a whole lot of stuff going on internally that you don't see from the outside. I mean, watching that blueberry, you don't see these, these you know, berries forming from the outside in. They form because the inside, the stuff on the inside is pushing out. And that's the point here is the, the fruit is produced by God from the inside out. When we let God's love into our heart and saturate us and fill us and overflow out of us, it's going gonna, it's gonna to push out little berries. 
so to speak. Little berries of God's love in our life. It's going to happen from the inside out. It's not something that we produce in ourselves. It's a work of God from the inside out. And it produces growth. The simple program of Christ for winning the whole world is to make each person he touches magnetic enough with love to draw others. If we grow our fellowship in this direction, it will naturally affect those around us, whether in the fellowship or not. This kind of love and the presence go with us wherever we go. They cannot be hidden. A missional church, in a wording often used today, is actually one that cannot be stopped from increasing. Did you hear that? A missional church is actually one which cannot be stopped from increasing. You understand the power of God's love when it is allowed to take root in our heart and to grow. It cannot be stopped from increasing. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God wants to take this church on an incredible adventure? An adventure of fruit-bearing that, that doesn't happen because we're so good, we're so special, we're so whatever. But it happens because the work of God in our heart naturally produces fruit. God can't not produce fruit. Notice how the verse ends. Being filled with the fruits of righteousness... Righteousness, doing the right thing, having that godly character, which are by Jesus Christ. It's not us. It's Jesus Christ in us. Richard Wormbrand was a pastor in Romania. He was imprisoned as a pastor, and he suffered horribly I think it was for about six or seven years. But he recounts horrible stories of torture that he and others in prison experienced at the hand of communist guards. What is fascinating about their testimonies is that the Christians who were being so mistreated prayed for their persecutors. In fact, if one of the guards, for whatever reason, became a prisoner, they would minister to that guard who had formerly abused them. Why? Because their heart had been transformed by God's love. They didn't see that guard as an enemy. They saw him as a soul in need of Jesus Christ. And that focus transformed the way they lived from the inside out. Jesus Christ is at work in each one of us who know him as personal Savior. And he wants to do the same type of work in us, this amazing work of love. 
But again, we must realize it is Jesus Christ who generates this fruit. That's why it's vital for us to be connected to him on a daily basis in his word, in prayer, in constant fellowship with him. You cannot live this kind of power without God. You cannot. You must be in tune with God and Jesus Christ himself. And here's the amazing thing. If you didn't get anything this morning, get this. When we allow God, his love, to flow through us, that is Jesus Christ himself working through our life. Do you, do you understand the, the immense ramification of what I just said? When we allow God's love to flow through us, we, we touch another life with God's love. That is Jesus Christ himself, the risen Savior, the one who has risen, uh, given us victory over death, over sin, the one that is coming back for us, God of the universe. That's God himself living through us. Amazing. And it says that in verse 11, unto the glory and praise of God. When we see these fruits as a result of this love coming into our life, it's under the praise and glory of God. Why? Because he's the one that's doing it. And when we do these things, these acts of love, people look at it and they glorify God because they say, wow. You want to live a life like that? You want to live a life that is pleasing and glorifying to God? Then let his love live through you. The songwriter said, you're the one who walked on water. You're the one who set the captives free, raised the dead, and caused the blind to see. And you're the one who's living in me. And I get to talk to the one who filled the oceans. I get to walk with the one who died for me. Lord, you're holy, holy. It amazes me that you're the one living in me. Greater there is no one like you. Deeper your love, it rescued me. You're worthy of every song that we could sing. And you're the one who's living in me. To think that Jesus Christ is living in us. And he'll use us in this powerful way. If we allow his love to control us. He'll help us to choose the better things. He'll help us to be blameless and he'll help us to bear fruit. The gospel had done an amazing work in the lives of these Philippian believers. Paul saw it. If you know Christ as your Savior today, Jesus is at work in you as well. Let's let Christ truly take a hold of our life and allow his love to control us each and every day. And when we do, that love is going to be magnetic. It's going to attract people. It's going to help people. And it's going to grow God's church.
May we pray? Father, we come before you now contemplating what we have just looked at in your word. Father, we're so thankful, first of all, for Jesus Christ and the amazing hope that we have in him. And the work that he's doing in the lives of us who have trusted in him. Father, would you help us to learn what it means on a personal way to be controlled by your love? Father, maybe we need to learn more about your love, what your love really is. Father, would you teach us what your love really is? Father, would you help us to know how it is to apply this love to choose the better things. Father, would you guide us and and direct us so that we can be blameless. Give us hearts of pure motive, pure love for others, for you. And Father, we don't pray that you will bear fruit in our lives so much as we thank you in advance that we know when we yield ourselves to you and your love, the natural result is going to be fruit. Father, thank you for living in and through us. May we go out this week and experience personally that which we have heard. I want to give you a moment there at your seat just to contemplate, to think, to pray personally. How this message applies to you and what it's going to mean for you this week.